Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Are you ready for one last ride? Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast. My name is Nate, and this is our spoiler-free review for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Special thanks, as always, to our friends at Disney Studios Canada and Marvel Studios Canada for letting us watch this movie early for review and, and special airing of grievances for making me cry so much, but we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> if you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast focusing on the world of movies, TV shows, games, toys and collectibles, and all things Geekcentric. Joining me for today's review, we got a bunch of Zarg nuts hanging out with me today. First up, he's a jaunty jackalope and all animal loving Lawrence. Hello. That's my What's your favorite animal. Uh, I would say a panda. Probably a panda. panda. Yeah. That's a good choice. Yeah. That's a good choice. Chill, They're cute. Chill, chill animal, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They've also got a mask as well. Yes. Very rocket. Exactly. Um, alongside him, we've got the kangaroo kid, Kevin, the hungry, hungry, heartwarming Hudson. Woo. What a time <laughs> to be alive, okay? The Blue Jays are rolling. The Maple Leafs have won a round, <laughs> but more importantly, and why we're here tonight, the MCU is back, baby. Oh, I love to hear it, Kevin. I love to hear it. Kevin, it's so funny walking out of the, the movie today, out of the screening, and I was like, I turned to Jess, and I'm like, I can't read Kevin. He could be a two. He could be a five. I have no idea. So to hear, the, hear you say those words uh, definitely warms my heart. Uh, but lastly, and certainly not leastly, we have the space dog Darcy, the highest evolutionary Hudson. Hello, hello. Man, the high evolutionary was great. So good. Such a good movie. So good. So good. I mean, I think you're a different kind of high uh, evolutionary. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to think I am. Please don't. Right. Just, just the name alone is where we share similarities. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think, though, we as a collective group, um, I think we share some similarities to the Guardians of the Galaxy, or at least I like to think we do. I think we're a family uh, by this point. Um, and speaking of that, I sent you all some BuzzFeed quizzes again. <laughs> Because I love my BuzzFeed quizzes. And I want to know just how accurate they are over at BuzzFeed to see which Guardian you'd be. Um, before we get to who you got, I got uh, I got Mantis, which I think makes the most yes, sense. That works, that, that you works know well. what I mean? Like, yeah. Right? Yeah. I feel people's feelings a lot. I feel a lot of feelings. And then... You know, if 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 somebody tries to tell me otherwise, I don't I don't waste my time trying to prove them right. You know what I mean? I'm just like, you know what? I'm I'm uh, or prove them wrong rather. I, I think that I'm I'm very much a. I think I'm a man. She's also very naive. So <laughs> yes, I was hundred percent. That is something that you and her share very. Is she forgetful strongly. too? Because there's another one we could throw in there, but no, that's um, that's a full on nativism. Because that was mean. That was cold. <laughs> <laughs> very blunt. Very very. Justin, who did you get? Did you get Drax? No, I actually got Gamora. Uh, Strong-willed, okay. determined, and resourceful. Uh, always uh, carry yourself with dignity as a true warrior, even though uh, you like to be alone most of the occasions, which is not necessarily true. I, I feel like that's probably more of a kevinism but i like the company of others at times yeah I guess the so. way you're ripping on all of us justin it feels like you're gamora from this movie <laughs> uh in particular um but before we get to all that kevin how about yourself okay, this you is bogus i got groot and and the description starts <laughs> that makes sense yeah, i got groot too. communication skills and i'm already like nope <laughs> <laughs> but then 
It says, uh, you know, I'm sweet and naive, but also irresistible. uh, And I'm a valuable ally and a loyal friend. I'm like, I'm none of these things. I'm none of these things. I agree. I agree. I agree with all of it. I agree with all of it. Darcy, you're yeah, Groot I got as well. Groot too, and I, I, I too was just like Hudson I boys, Groot. I, I don't see how this my choice has led to this, but whatever, Buzzfeed. I guess I'm Groot. <laughs> I know I should have picked purple instead of blue. <laughs> <laughs> that was where that's where you went wrong. Um, well, listen, uh, I, I think you know uh, we are the guardians. We are our own guardians, and I think this movie, um, this is the third movie in James Gunn's trilogy. Um, and if you're listening to this, you know, you probably already know what this movie is about, but just in case you don't, Kevin, would you mind letting our listeners know what this movie is all about? Set to the backdrop of awesome mixtape number three, we find our beloved band of misfits looking a bit different these days. Still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill must rally his team to defend the universe and protect one of their own. If the mission is not completely successful, it could possibly lead to the end of the Guardians as we know them. Oh, the film stars Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, uh, Dave Batista, Karen Gillan, Palm Clementieff, uh, featuring Vin Diesel as Groot and Bradley Cooper as Rocket, Sean Gunn, Chakudi Awuji, Will Poulter, and Maria Bakalova. Additional cast members include Linda Cardellini, Nathan Fillion, Daniela Melchior, uh, Nico Santos, Miriam Shore, Elizabeth Debicki, Michael Rosenbaum, uh, which I completely forgot and just realized now that he's in this movie, and Sylvester Stallone. Uh, it's directed and written by, of course, James Gunn, and will be in theaters May 5th, 2023. So guys, let's get right to it. We've got a lot to go through here. And if you guys don't mind, I'm going to kick things off by saying this movie is damn good. Uh, and, and for those who might have been wondering, um, yes, I did cry. Uh, very much so. I wanted to kind of kick things off and start by asking who else cried. I saw Justin, you were blubbering quite a bit. Yeah, it was it was pretty emotional. Um, as much as there's plenty of laughs and there's action-packed moments, there's also some intense and emotional scenes uh, that add depth to the story and to the characters and the relationships to one another. Uh, you know, we are looking at also some baby animals from time to time that are absolutely oh. adorable. Um, but I think, you know, again, all of these different feels, you know, from from crying from, you know, from your heart, from crying, from laughing, you know, it, it's just a testament to to Gunn's commitment to this story and, and very much closing out this this trilogy in in a strong way uh, that kind of, you know, leans into what has already been established in the past movies. Well, I'm so happy that this is the third movie in his trilogy, his his final movie at the end, like with Marvel. And it's his swan song. Like, I, I think it's really heartwarming to see, you know, a director like James Gunn kind of go out on this really wonderful, beautiful note. And for me, and I was saying this right after we, we got out of the screener as well, it's a movie that makes you just want to run back into the theater and watch it all over again, which is a feeling that I had watching the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And it's it's the same feeling I'm having right now with this one. Um, Kevin, you know, kind of kick us off with your thoughts here. I was kind of afraid that it might have been too much uh, on the emotional side, you know, pulled at those heartstrings too much. But I was pleasantly surprised to see that it was so well balanced with heart with yep. humor with despair and tragedy it's just such a roller coaster ride of a movie that never leans too heavily on any one aspect because he's tackling so many things i will say there needs to be a very strong parental warning on this movie it is way darker mm. than i think anything we've ever seen in the mcu and it is pretty grotesque at times it really does challenge 
what can be allowed in a Marvel movie, I think. And so audiences with younger kids should know that this isn't the sort of light, airy movie that you got from the first Guardians. It's it's a far more mature, very, very James Gunn movie. And I think, you know, we it's 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 mature, it's grotesque, it's dark. We get our first F-bomb. Uh, in the MCU with this movie, the first at least one that was said out loud. Um, and uh, and yeah, I think it was... It, it, I think, though, what I will sort of go back to what Justin was kind of saying there, though, is that that tonal shift that James Gunn is known for is done so masterfully. It's done so fluidly, and it's what makes his story so human. And I think that's why we connect with them so, so much. And so I think that, for me... Um, I was I was totally okay with it, but you're right, Kevin. Like, if you've got sort of younger family members that are expecting the more you know PG side of this PG-13 movie, it it does sort of lean a little more heavy on the the PG-13 side. Mm-hmm. I mean, like like uh, to Kevin's point about the grotesqueness, some of the like, the character designs, it, it feels like James Gunn was trying to see what he could get away with in terms of how realistic and gross he could go. So I do agree with the whole parental warning. But that said, it it doesn't take away from those emotional moments. They they're able to play with these really realistic and, and very gross looking creatures, but then like like infuse them with so much heart and emotion that they they become human and you're willing to look past these grotesque, you know, abnorma- abnormations or whatever they will are and and really connect with these characters. It was it was a very, very well done movie in my opinion. Well, and just to speak to uh, your point there, Darcy, about it being realistic, this is the best CGI I think we've seen in a Marvel movie in a long time. I think a lot of people have wondered, okay. you know, there, there's all the rumblings about whether some studios have been pushed too hard, timelines, everything like that. I know the aesthetic of Ant-Man, um, Quantumania certainly wasn't everyone's cup of tea, but this movie just, they the budget must have been outrageous for this because they pushed the envelope in terms of what they were able to create on the screen uh one particular one shot scene in general that was just unbelievable i just thought the cgi it this felt like a big budget blockbuster marvel movie again which i haven't necessarily felt um in in this phase so far you know speaking to what you guys were talking about uh the amount of rope that james gunn was given with this movie I had the chance to attend the uh, global press junket uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, hosted by Nathan Fillion. And, uh, you know, that question was asked, like, how much rope did you give Kevin? Kevin Feige said, yeah, we, we gave him as much as he wanted, right? Like, they spared no expense for this movie, and it and it definitely shows. And on the note about the visuals, yeah, like, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is a feast for your eyes. There are some stunning visual effects and beautiful cinematography that make up some of the best visuals in the MCU, especially on a big-ass IMAX screen. Oh, yeah. Uh, the space battles and, and set pieces were, were so breathtaking. And the use of color uh, in the visual effects was was such was top-notch. The camera movements and then the camera angles, it all just gave a larger-than-life feel uh, and, and truly scaled up the scope of this story to make it so immersive, especially in an IMAX theater. And I think you know, here's here's the part of the, the here's the part of the review where we try not to ha- you know talk about every single cast member in this cast. But how could we not? They are all so fantastic. I think for me, uh, in particular, and I said this right after we 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 got out was every moment Mantis was on screen in this movie. Yeah, she's she's come into her powers so much in this movie. She's such a delight. 
Um, and she also shows in this movie that she's not a pushover. She's not just going to mm. sort of take Drax's crap or Nebula's crap. Like she's, she has her she's voice. very, she's very much has her, her own voice. Mm. And I, I really, really appreciated this, uh, this iteration and this, this moment with this character. Yeah. Palm as Mantis was, was absolutely fantastic. Her, her performance continues to bring a unique charm and humor to the character while also showcasing her growth and development. Like you were saying, like having spent so much time with the character through uh, Guardians Volume 2 into Infinity War, Endgame, you know, the holiday special, we've seen a lot of growth from Mantis and, and it all kind of comes to uh, a point here in, in this final movie. And I think, you know, uh, Clementine's ability to convey both vulnerability and strength is a huge testament to her acting skill. It shines both uh, in the dramatic and comedic. She's, she really is funny. Um, and she adds, again, she adds so much heart and humor to this film. It's, it, it, it was one of the joys of watching this movie, for sure, was seeing Mantis's performance. I mean, I think so many of these characters, because we are in the third and final chapter of this James Gunn trilogy, we've seen so much growth from these characters. Another shout out I wanted to give was to Karen Gillan for for Nebula. I think that yes. character, especially where she started and the limitations that can be found when you're acting under so much makeup and you're so limited in terms of what emotions you can display, to see the growth of the character at this stage of the game, uh, I it was I felt like I got to know and understand and appreciate this character more than I've ever you know really had a chance to before, and I thought that was a really really fun uh, part of this experience. Nebula was was superb in this movie. She exudes a sense of confidence, which is great to see considering her past. She's she's confident and she's taking charge. She's she's become a leader, and I think you know she's become a real part of the family. And I think a lot of that has to do with Nebula being free of Thanos and his shadow, and more importantly, the shadow of Gamora. Uh, she is now coming to her own, and you really do see that. Uh, as she's as she's with the guardians, and you know she continues to bring you know complexity and depth to her character, you know exploring her painful past and you know the complicated relationship she still has uh, with with Gamora. Um, I think her performance in this in this volume specifically, Gillen's performance, she was one of the, the big highlights for me. And she's got that upgraded arm. Which is super dope, mm -hmm. um, and you know, uh, Kevin, you called out, or, or Justin, you called out being under the shadow of Gamora. We get a very different Gamora in this movie. She's she's rough, she's reckless. She very much feels almost kind of like where we kind of started uh, with Nebula in in a way, and in her own way. There's more in common um, now, and uh, yeah, and I, I I really really enjoyed Zoe Saldana in this movie, and and kind of just sort of being that that almost. Um, you know, fish out of water type character for for where her Gamora is uh, in this story and and how she interacts with these characters. But to your point, she has a lot of like similarities to Nebula in that she's putting up walls, right? right. Like those walls of toughness that can't. She's phase one Nebula. Exactly. Yeah. It's very much like a what if situation. Uh, of what if Gamora was Nebula? And I think that's a really interesting way to kind of. Uh, reintroduce a character that we already know. I think it's it's very smart. It's it's. I think it's really cool because again, it shows the the range that Zoe Saldana has to be able to play this character in an entirely new way compared to what we've grown to to love over these years. Because she is before we we met her, this is where she was at in her life, and we're seeing a different path. So it's really cool to to get that opportunity to to explore a character in the main universe, but with like a different timeline aspect. It's really neat. Well, speaking of seeing a character 
in a completely different way than we have in the previous Guardians movies. Cosmo uh, is another character I wanted to shout out. Like Maria Bakalava is just so charming and so sweet and she's such a good dog and I loved seeing her her role within the film um she's written in a way that that she's she's still a dog she still gets excited about things that a dog would do like playing fetch or pats on the head but she's also incredibly intelligent at the same time um you know Darcy I wanted to kind of ask you does because I I personally this is kind of my between this holiday special and this is kind of my first interactions of really getting to see this character did it did it live up to what you were hoping for with Cosmo? Hundred uh, percent. I mean, as a fan of the comics, Cosmo is a staple character in recent Guardians runs as just the the dog to go to when you're on nowhere, and we got that that aspect from uh, th- this this Cosmo for sure. And I think it's really cool because. I was getting very much Doug vibes from Up, but this is a superpowered Doug where she yes. has pow- has telekinetic powers and is just like I said, she's such a good dog. You, it's really fun and refreshing. She brings the the, the lightness to a, a rather dark Guardians movie. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, listen, I mean, I'm gonna keep going until you guys stop me. So let's just talk about Will Poulter, Adam Warlock. You know, I think that was another big sort of uh, big aspect to this movie of you know how are they gonna do Adam Warlock? How, how is it? We got the tease in Guardians too. How is this going to play out? Um, and we were kind of talking a little bit about how this version may upset some Adam Warlock diehards. I personally think he was perfect. I think he's a he's he's undercooked. I think he's he's not quite. I think you know if if you had somebody who was like really upset about Adam Warlock in this movie, you can remind them to just sort of say like, listen, we this is not Adam Warlock's final form. This is his first form in this movie, and I think um, I think it I think it's great. I think he played him perfectly. I think he's also terrifying. He hits so hard in this movie. He can be scary. Um, Kevin, what were your thoughts on the Warlock? I think I think that character is going to be maybe the most divisive aspect of this movie, especially with diehard comic fans i think movie fans who don't know anything about the character are just gonna love him because he's he's just so fun um and it was kind of surprising the direction they took him but i do i can see how it'll upset the 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 you know the vocal uh marvel diehards who might have been expecting something a little bit different from the character that's going to be very interesting to see once the movie comes out how people respond to him yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where, you know, you can't be too possessive and precious with what the character is. Have a little freedom. You know, it's being adapted uh, for the MCU, which means more stories, right? Like like you said, Nate, this is he's undercooked, and you know, it's he he needs to be flushed out a little bit more and explored in potentially future stories, uh, which I think is totally a possibility with a character like uh, Adam Warlock. Surprisingly, he's not in it that much. Yeah, I think he. I think he plays a. Um, I, I think he still plays an, an important part in terms of moving the narrative along. But you're right; he's not. I mean, he's not the main focus. Who Who is? I think the the main focuses of this movie, the three characters that I think made me feel the most in this movie, um, were played by Chris Pratt, Bradley Cooper, and Chakudi Awuji. Um, starting with Chris Pratt, I mean. He's what made me cry in this movie uh, for the first time. I, mean, I cried many times in this movie, but for the first time uh, that I cried in this movie, it was Chris Pratt's performance. He's gotten so good in these dramatic roles, and you can feel his heartache throughout the movie. And in some of these scenes, you just you 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 feel like this that sense of dread and fear, and and you know that feeling of of potential loss. And it's it's so well done. Uh, that's a character that. 
at least lately, I'd almost become disinterested in between uh, his very small part in Thor and then his part in the, the, the holiday special. I almost just found the character to be a bit one-dimensional at times, uh, and it was just the sure, same yeah. joke over and over again, and I'm not even sure if that joke was landing all that well. And here there's so much depth, there's so much heart, there's so much just more interesting things going on within the character that Chris Pratt's able to sort of tap into, and he's able to have this huge range of a performance from all spectrums of you know comedy right to you know heartbreak and drama i just thought this was the most he's been given to do with the character since probably at, since at least volume two and so it was really really For great sure. to see yeah yeah i would agree with that i think volume two was his last real dive into you know Peter Quill and then after that it was just he's Star-Lord if you will for you know Infinity War and Endgame and right into Thor Love and Thunder and now he's here and we're on the other end but this has been very much his trilogy as well like this has been an exploration of of Peter Quill you know with his relationship with his mother in volume one the relationship with his father in volume two and the man that he thought he wanted as a father versus the man that actually was his father like Yondu, and then here is 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 a journey of self discovery, which I think is a constant theme for all the characters in, in a lot of ways. But it mm -hmm. is anchored with uh, Star Lord or Peter Quill's journey to kind of uh, reconcile loss. It's handled so beautifully, and like I said, like you guys have already said, it's it gives more depth to the character than 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 we've gotten. And I think that Pratt brings it because he knows this is sort of the closure for that for the character here in this in this trilogy. Well, and I mean, you mentioned that it was it. This has been Pratt's, uh, Chris Pratt's trilogy, um, Star Lord, and, and Peter Quill. Darcy, would you agree? Is this is this a Peter Quill uh, movie, or or a, a or, or more of a Star Lord movie, or is it a Rocket movie? Uh, well, I definitely feel like it's a Guardians movie because Guardians mm -hmm. is Peter Quill and Rocket and Groot and everybody else. But like the two, those two are clearly the standout, you know story driving characters as we see the, the Peter dealing with the loss of Gamora and then the sudden return of her into a life where she's a different person. And then we have Rocket reconciling with his past and where he came from. And it's, we got such emotional performances from both, from the both of them. And that's what really makes it feel like a Guardians movie because it is the story of this team coming together and, and helping each other through these problems. So brilliant mm -hmm. performances from both uh, Chris Pratt and Bradley Cooper. Again, the fact that it's just a voice in this, this CGI raccoon, there's, you feel so much emotion anytime he's talking about his past and, and where it's led him in his life and stuff like that. I loved it. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bradley Cooper hit like, <laughs> His voice performance in this absolutely just wrecked me. Um, I also want to shout out Noah Raskin, who plays Baby Rocket, who the first time you hear Rocket speak, you're just gonna you're gonna squeal. And and Sean Gunn, who voices the the younger version of him as well, all do excellent jobs with the line delivery. Um, we were talking earlier about the animation, the animation and 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 performance capture with Rocket in this movie is so stellar and I'd, it might have been just as stellar in the previous movies but maybe I just didn't notice it as much it it was elevated yeah it was elevated because there was an attention to detail because you know as the trailers have very much outlined he is integral to the story his his right. story is integral to the overall film so I think that if you're making a CGI raccoon the center of your story you already know you got to invest big you got to make it look the best because he's on screen for a lot of the time so and I think it paid off in, in the long run absolutely um anything else you want to say about rocket before we we keep going here because I got to get your your opinion Kev I mean you know I think uh oftentimes 
we we might not necessarily share the exact same opinion on MCU movies, but we usually do share uh, the same opinion, at least on MCU villains. And I think uh, Chakuri Awuji was fantastic as a Marvel villain in this movie. Uh, how did you feel about, uh, about uh, the high evolutionary? I think this might be the the worst villain and i mean that in the best possible way i have never <laughs> like this is the villain in all of the mcu that i have wanted to see Jeez. get yeah. his you know yeah. like and sure. like right from his very first scene you're like oh i do not like this guy one bit and i've talked about <laughs> it before it's uh, but it's it's not like cheap it's not oh look at this bad guy it's like no this is a bad dude i do not like him and by the end of this movie, you just hate him so much and just want to see him get his. And, you know, it, you, you're just waiting for it and waiting for it. And I think a lot of that not don't that doesn't just come from the actions and motivations of the character, but by the incredible performance. It's 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 an all time MCU villain performance. Uh, and I just think it helps carry the movie and it helps the story of these guardians and what they're going through and trying to come together as a team in the end, it just helps make that resonate so much more uh, as the movie goes on. So top notch uh, through and through, this is one of the all time great MCU villains in my opinion. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. And I think a lot of it comes from the fact that in, in recent MCU movies, they're giving us villains that they're trying to humanize and give us relatable backstories so we understand why they're going through the, the the actions that they're doing. Like Gore the God Butcher comes to mind where we get this really touching backstory, whereas High Evolutionary is just downright evil. And they do he does such a good job of portraying that, that ultimate evil that you want to see, like you said, get his. And again, a lot of it comes down to how he's carrying himself in these like very dark scenes what he's you know doing to these these experiments of his it's it's so powerful and so so incredible again no like top mcu villain and i want more like him more villains that you just want to hate yeah and i think they the mcu needed that switch up because mm -hmm. to your point they always try to ground their villains in a sense of moral justification so that the audience can either relate and say oh i can kind of agree with killmonger or you know zemo or, uh, you know, Thanos was right. Uh, there's a lot of villains that have some sort of moral justification. But yeah, High Evolutionary, played by Chuck Woody, he is impressive. He is memorable. Um, he has such a commanding presence. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with his theatrical background. Like, he, yep. he, is, he is the theatricality of this movie that feels inherently real to the character that he's playing like with a name like the high evolutionary you expect the character that you get and i think chuck woody did an amazing job it's one of the standout performances and, and like you guys have said it's it's one of the standout villains that the mcu needed to just remind us that there is evil out there i think chuck woody killed it it was, it was so good i want to know what he's like you know, in real life, because I bet he's a, a wonderful, likable guy, but there is not an ounce of that in this entire movie. There is just not a single second where the character breaks from, you know, pure evil. And, and that's just, again, so unique to what we've gotten out of the MCU. So I'm very excited to hear uh, what you guys get out of him uh, in regards to what he thought about the movie. He's been he's been huge on the theater scene. And, and you know, I think this role fits him like a glove. You know what I mean? I think this is the this is the perfect role for him uh and 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 right and I also I also think that you know he's he is 
captivating. And I, I, I will say they do make clear his intentions very, very, like, really well in this movie. I, I can't say the same for every MCU villain. I know we, we were talking about the ones who are relatable, um, but there's a lot of MCU villains where I'm just like, I don't even know. Like, they were just bad. I don't know why they wanted to do the thing. This is very clear, as much as it's not relatable, hopefully, to anyone. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it was very clear. Now, what else was clear? The music this time around. Um, I will say, and, and Darcy, I think you and I were kind of feeling this as we were walking out. I did find the music to be a little less um, cohesive than the first movie, but I will say when the songs hit, they hit. They feel so purposeful this time around, and the the moments involving tracks like No Sleep Till Brooklyn or uh, there's a discreetly uh, sensual moment uh, involving <laughs> Earth, Wind, and Fire's reasons, um, there, those are moments in this movie that are going to stay with me, I think, beyond necessarily the soundtrack, but just the way that they work together with what I was seeing on screen. Absolutely. I think, again, the the music you know, weaves its way through the narrative to help tie some of those themes together really nicely and, and playfully in, in some situations. And I think there is a wider range of music. It's it's not really restricted to like a decade or period of time. It seems like there's a wider range of, of music. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with what he's using as a as a play device. It's a, it's a Zune, if I'm not mistaken, right? Which is kind of like an iPod, which is like infinite amount of songs. And so it's not necessarily restricted to whatever the magnetic strip can can actually record which is sure, a yeah. set of songs, right? So I'm wondering if, you know, again, that just allows, you know, them to kind of be a little more free because you're right, like we got Beastie Boys, we got Radiohead, like it's it's nuts to see the the range of music that we, we actually got in this final mixtape. But yeah, again, music has been so well married with the Guardi- with Guardians of the Galaxy and the entire franchise as being like the thing that kind of binds it all together. It is the the sort of cohesive thread that connects them really well. Mm-hmm. And I, I will agree that like this playlist or soundtrack maybe isn't one that I'm going to be playing front to cover uh, on a regular case, uh, basis like I was doing with volume one shortly after that movie came out. But the I feel like in this movie in particular, they've really found a way to write, like weave those songs into the narrative like fluidly. Every song was there for a reason, whereas in earlier movies, it was kind of just like, oh, we need a, a catchy, punchy song for this this action scene or whatever. Whereas this, it was like, we are going to tell a story with the music as well as what you're seeing on screen. And it was so well done. Playful. It was so, yeah, it was so, so much fun. I loved it a lot. And they're not all fun bops. Like some of them are sad as as all get out and they they fit perfectly with what we're seeing um okay guys we're getting near the end of our spoiler free review um i do just want to kind of highlight the other two sort of big aspects to what i think is is such a wonderful guardians of the galaxy story um the action the action is is incredible in this movie there's so many moments where um, I think everyone in this main cast, from an action standpoint, also gets their time to shine. And I won't spoil anything, but all I'm going to say is there is a hallway scene that will go up there with Daredevil and Punisher as my favorite hallway scenes of all time. And and it's like it's up there. It's up there with like that flash scene or not flash scene. What am I talking about? Um, Quicksilver. Quicksilver scene, thank you. That Quicksilver scene uh, in X-Men. Like, it is up there with that for me, and I'm trying not to be hyperbolic about it, but it is absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's it was it was such a great moment to see uh, on screen because it, it comes at a very pivotal point where you just see a sense of unity. 
a sense of togetherness, everything that the, the Guardians of the Galaxy very much embodies, family, right? And the way they do it, the, the way they orchestrate it, because it's not obviously a traditional one take. You can see the cuts in some instances and, and things, but they, they do mask it and hide it really, really well with camera whips and turns and, and those sort of things so that you feel uh, confined in that space with them. It was a very intimate action moment. It was crazy. Yeah, a lot of intimate moments in, in this movie for sure. <laughs> um, but I mean, speaking of intimate moments, I think that was another aspect too, where the comedy, this is James Gunn style comedy. You know, you were talking earlier, Justin, about the amount of rope that he got. <laughs> he got his James Gunnisms into pretty much every line yeah. from Drax, I think was a huge part of this. I think Dave Batista absolutely nails every single moment with his line delivery in this movie i honestly there were like there were moments where i would see he's in a scene and i would just be in giddy anticipation of how he's gonna <laughs> react to something that mantis says or does and i i was absolutely blown away by that yeah like i think batista and with mantis they both brought a lot of comedy i think it, this this whole trilogy has really showcased uh, and flexed, you know, uh, Dave Bautista's ability to be an actor that can, you know, outside of the MCU can be very dramatic and, and can take on some very serious roles. But here he can bring the typical big guy action stuff that he, you know, that he obviously as a as a former wrestler he can do. But he's also bringing in heart. He's bringing in the comedy. Um, and I think that, you know, again, at the global press conference, you know, Kevin Feige thanks James Gunn for bringing Dave Bautista into the MCU because it's been such a pleasure for him to see just do what he does really well and be this outstanding actor and the range that he has. So yeah, he definitely delivered on all of the comedy and the heartfelt moments, man. Like he had me crying at certain points. And, you know, I, I think that it really does prove that Batista's performance as Drax is is one of the highlights and, and definitely much needed for this movie. I mean, Kevin, now that, uh, and I hate to say this, but now that Batista has said in an interview, this is his final go uh, as the character, supposedly. I don't know how many dump trucks of money Marvel would have to pull up. Um, but uh, who's the next wrestler that you want to see <laughs> In the MCU, who are we pulling oh in? Oh my goodness, that is such a tough question. I'd love to uh, <laughs> have a little bit more time to think about it. Let's just say it has to be somebody better than Triple H. Uh, that was that was <laughs> as big a failed experiment as I think Hulk Hogan uh, was back in the eighties. Um, you know, I could see somebody like The Miz. You know, once he sort of stops with the wrestling, um, he's got enough charisma. And I know he's he's got his own direct-to-DVD franchises with the Marine and, and everything like that. But I wouldn't mind seeing him given a shot in something a little higher quality than uh, the Marine 3 through 6, you know? <laughs> I, I'll, throw, I'll throw a name in. I'd love to see Edge. In the MCU, I think he would. Oh, be that's a good great. call too, because he's, uh, he's been all right in his limited roles in in on TV and whatnot. And so, yeah, to see him yeah, on a bigger platform. He, yeah, he's been in. Uh, I believe the the show is um, uh, it's the one. Is about it Haven? The, yeah, I think it's Haven. You're right. I think it's it's like Norse uh, mythology style. Um, but he's also going to be in Percy Jackson, uh, which is a Disney is a Disney movie. So there's his foot in the door. He can hop, skip, and jump right over into uh, uh, Marvel. I love it. Like maybe something there in the, uh, what's it, the uh, Alpha Force. Alpha Flight? Oh, that'd be great. Alpha Flight, that'd be great. Yeah, there that'd you go. And just Guardian, um, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, listen, uh, before this turns into a wrestling podcast, <laughs> um, let's let's get to our final scores 
for this movie, which we're going to be rating it on a scale of one to five. You guys might want to write this one down. We're going to be rating it on a scale of one to five rockets into the forever and beautiful sky. And Kevin, I'm going to get you to start off our, our final thoughts train here as we round out this review. I think I think uh, this movie had a lot of, of work to do because of how important the Guardians have been in the MCU for so long now. They kind of they yeah. kind of changed the game when it came to what a comic book movie could be as far as what you know we we expected. You know, it wasn't just your traditional superheroes anymore. And and James Gunn just somehow made a talking raccoon in a tree work, you know, and we've been saying that for 10 plus years now, but it's true. And I don't know if there's many people who could have done it. And so here we are at the end of this journey, at the end of James Gunn's time in the MCU, and he thankfully got the chance to tell his full and complete story. Obviously, there was the controversy years ago where we saw him leave the MCU and then he was brought back. And we are forever better for it as movie fans because he was able to go and tell his story. And I know we've said it a lot on the show that Disney, good on them, they and Marvel specifically, I should say, really did let him tell his story the way only he can. And I don't think the movie would have worked if they'd played it too safe. Uh, they took some chances that left me a little uncomfortable, left me feeling a little unsettled, uh, but I think that's the point, and I think that, that f those feelings of being uncomfortable or being grossed out or disgusted or being just so angry and mad and wanting vengeance, all of those work so much better to deliver the moments of heart, of redemption, of triumph, of, of family, of togetherness, and this is just such an amazing way to have rounded out the movie. I'm actually going to go see um, the whole trilogy in a little marathon in a couple days, and I can't wait to see how the three movies actually play into each other and form one big, full, cohesive story. The amount of character growth that we've gotten is some of the best I've ever seen in a trilogy. You know, they've never just repeated the same steps over and over to to get a bit more cash out of a group of characters we like these characters came back for a reason and that was to show growth to show how they've changed to show how their past decisions and mistakes have affected them and shaped who they are and i really do think by the end of this story we get so much growth and redemption and and just changing of these characters for the better and it was it's a beautiful story told in a disgusting James Gunn kind of way um, <laughs> with a, a killer soundtrack, incredible special effects, excellent action, and just enough heart that even I was welling up. A tear did not drop. Let's but go. There was, there was ah. welling, and that's pretty <laughs> damn good uh, out of me. So kudos to everyone involved in these three movies, uh, but specifically here. Uh, they deserve to get this kind of send off, and it was, it was just such a such a great payoff to all all that we've been through with these characters. So I'm going to give this, uh, you know, a solid, solid, solid four point seven out of five rockets into the forever and beautiful oh. sky. But again, this movie will not be for everyone. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Darcy, how about yourself? Uh, again, I the. Kevin said it best that this is a, a beautiful way to send off these characters that we've spent 
10 plus years getting to know and love and the goodbyes really hit hard because we 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 got so much growth and so much closure and redemption for these characters over the 10 years it's it was a beautiful payoff and it was so worth waiting to to get this final story from james gunn uh Again, the the acting in this this movie alone was was incredible. From the whole cast, they really brought the heart to these characters, and you you fall in love with them all over again as you as you see them, you know, go on their final journey together as the Guardians. So, this movie was hands down one of my favorite movies from Phase Five MCU. So this is an easy five out of five. Rockets into the forever and beautiful sky because it is such a poignant send off to these characters and. And you're happy for where they end up, but you're sad to see them go. And it was so well done in 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 that regard. Mm. Absolutely, Justin. Well, listen, uh, this volume three, uh, it hit me hard, man. Uh, volume three is an emotional and and fulfilling conclusion to the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy with dark themes that will leave you heartbroken at times. Uh, I think James Gunn has crafted a story that reminds us of what makes these bunch of a-holes so special <laughs> like focusing on family heart humor and each character is on a journey of self-discovery you know the film does pick up with a team that seems emotionally broken and distant from one another you know each character is facing their own struggles and and learns to appreciate their own strengths and weaknesses but you know the, the film is very much an exploration of these relationships between these characters and you know there's just so much depth added to the story with each individual journey beyond the larger narrative which I, I really do appreciate like this is a master class of writing character-centric stories amidst you know a larger narrative uh you know one of the highlights as we were talking about is the balance of humor and emotion which you know at this point feels synonymous with the guardians franchise in, in a lot of ways um you know there are moments that are going to make you laugh out loud you know there are moments that are going to as you said will have you wiping away tears there are going to be moments that you're going to be like me and just bawling your eyes out I, I honestly believe that uh the film's commitment uh to to the character development and emotional storytelling is evident throughout making for a very truly satisfying experience uh, you guys were talking about it is already, but like this is some of the best visuals we've gotten from the MCU, as I already mentioned. And you must see it in IMAX. This movie is so immersive. The soundtrack, as you mentioned, here it's used in a fun and poignant way. You know, there's nothing like hearing a little radio head for some internal emotional dialogue while also uh, having some Beastie Boys to be a fist pumping, goosebump inducing moment. You know, top to bottom, the music just just hit so hard. But all good things must come to an end. While it's sad to say goodbye to these characters, the film leaves us with a sense of closure and knowledge that this journey was worth taking. It was all deserving. Uh, you know, James Gunn's commitment to the story and the characters is all over this film. It's one of the best and most satisfying closures of a trilogy in the MCU. And the Guardians will forever be known as the first family of the MCU. If you're a fan, you're not going to be disappointed. You know, you may find it dark, but with, without darkness, you would never appreciate the rays of light that we get. So, uh, yeah, this ragtag group of Guardians, I'm giving it five out of five rockets into the forever and beautiful sky. All righty. All righty. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, what can I say that hasn't already been said? Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, James Gunn, this is James Gunn's swan song, as we said. He dedicated this movie to the memory of Chris Reynolds, Chris Shaw, uh, and to his father, James Gunn Sr. And right right, at, right, seeing that in the, in the credits, I was like, this is such a personal movie for James Gunn. And these characters are so personal. 
to him. Uh, it's the finale to his legacy at Marvel. It masterfully closes both the Guardian's final chapter of this trilogy, uh, as well as his final chapter uh, with Marvel mm-hmm. before he moves on to Spearhead DC Studios. You're going to feel the emotions in this movie. And as much as it can feel like an emotional roller coaster at times, you'll want to go right back in line and ride it all over again. Darcy, get me another fast pass. I need it right now. Genie Plus, whatever we need to do, uh, I need to watch this movie again. I adored this movie, and it's absolutely everything I wanted it to be. Uh, There are moments that I connected with on a deep, personal level. Um, And I think the humanity that James imbues these characters with is what allows these movies to hit so hard for so many people. I can't recommend it enough. And as much as I'm going to miss James's writing within the MCU, I think he's laid an incredible foundation for these characters. And I can't wait to see what they do and what he does next. I'm wholeheartedly giving Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 a solid, a very solid 5 out of 5 rockets into the forever and beautiful sky. I will say, as epic as this movie was, nothing will be more epic than watching Nate pound Nest Tea from a two-liter carton in the background as we're giving our final thoughts here. That was, that was tremendous. Listen, I just moved, okay? I just moved. Uh, well, I don't have cups yet. I don't have glasses. They're not unpacked. Um, but that is it for this review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this movie and, and you know, go and see it and then write into us. Let us know what you thought um well listen remember orange is for blue black is for orange yellow is for yellow green is for red red is for green and blue is the open line where justin can let you know how you can reach us well they can reach us at we are geekcentric at gmail.com that's we are geekcentric at gmail.com or they can reach out to us on twitter at geekcentric yt or on instagram at we are geekcentric Keep in mind, we have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, and games, including our recent spoiler-free review for the Super Mario Bros. movie. And uh, coming up, we've got our spoiler-free review for Star Wars Visions Volume 2 and our Mandalorian Season 3 Watch Club finale, where we discuss the finale for that show's third season. We also have a ton of interviews out now, like our most recent interview with Alyssa Waponituk, who plays Tiger Lily in Peter Pan and Wendy, and our interview with Aisha Tyler, uh, as well as our interview with the executive producers of Star Wars Visions Volume 2, James Waugh, Jackie Lopez, and Josh Rimes. You can catch those interviews here on your podcast service of choice, or you can catch some of them on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. With all these interviews happening, you're probably wondering to yourself, well, how can I watch bite-sized versions of these fantastic moments. Well, let me tell you, the force is strong with you. <laughs> well, let me tell you, you can head over to our TikTok at We Are Geek Centric uh, to check out some wonderful Star Wars interview clips in celebration of this being May the 4th week. Justin uh, has, you know, the, the force has been with him and he's been putting out some really wonderful content there. So definitely go check that out. And then on May the 5th, I'm so stoked for all of you to hear and to see our interviews with two people from this very film. Chakuri Awuji, the high evolutionary himself, and Craiglin, Sean Gunn. We had the opportunity to speak with both of them about their part in this epic third volume, and we cannot wait for you to see it. Justin, Darcy, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me for this review. And as I eat the last Zargnut, we say, love ya. Laters. Get home safe, Guardians. Peace. Peace.